I'm Mary Byers, and this is Successful Associations Today. My guest is Kathy Burns, CEO of the Produce Marketing Association, a not-for-profit focused on the global fruit, vegetable, and floral industries. Leveraging her prior expertise as a supermarket executive, Kathy is responsible for a number of strategic PMA initiatives including those focused on increasing consumption of fresh fruits, vegetables, and floral, helping PMA members more effectively engage and communicate with consumers, as well as developing the association's board of directors to ultimately grow a healthier world. She enjoys spending quality time with her family, which includes her husband, Ty, and their two daughters, Alexis and Z. The topic today is revenue diversification, which is one that many, 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 many organizations are taking a look at. And like many associations, the Produce Marketing Association generates a large portion of its revenue from its Fresh Summit meeting. That's good when the revenue's good, but that also can be bad if, if, the, if things change, if there's a catastrophe or something happens uh, that affects meeting participation and attendance. So tell us about the process that you are using to help diversify revenue. I know this is a focus for you right now. That's great. Yeah, thanks, Mary. And, and, and once again, thank you for having me. Uh, you are exactly right that we are heavily lopsided to three days in October where we have our Fresh Summit meeting and, and two days in uh, July where we have our food service meeting. And we're incredibly proud of those events and they're continuing to grow. Uh, so it's exciting. But at the same time, I remember when I first joined the association and looked at our P&L, the first thing I noticed was we've got to diversify our revenue. To your point, if something happened out of the blue, um, you know, we want, one, we want to be able to protect the association for the long term, but also we have other value that we can create that could generate revenue for the organization. Um, so the first step we took was we collaborated with our board and other uh, volunteer leaders and our own staff to brainstorm potential new ways to create alternative revenue opportunities. Everything was on the table. There were no sacred cows. Um, and so it was a, a great exercise for the board, for our volunteer leaders, and for staff to come up with ways that if you were to diversify revenue or if you were to start a new business within PMA, what are some of the ideas we should explore? So from that initial idea pool, uh, we obviously sorted through the duplicate, uh, the duplicates, um, and we went through an iterative process in partnership with a consultant that actually specializes in new business development to ultimately narrow the scope even further. And once we had probably two or three main concepts, we whittled it down to one and proceeded with an in-depth research to determine what I would call the size of the prize or the size of the market, the scope of the opportunity, the potential new revenue. Um, really, there were many dimensions that we really tried to build out the concept. And what was great about this is through every, through all of this, our board was informed every step of the way. Some of the directors actually were leading and serving on a separate advisory committee uh, for both transparency reasons and to ensure that they kept us on target and there was no what I would call scope creep uh, from for the original project. So that's the process that we used out of the gate to look at revenue diversification. So that one thing that you've identified, are you uh, moving forward now? 
we are we're developing mm-hmm. that. So, uh, in some cases, I would recommend that uh, that rather than one at a time, yeah, uh, a couple of things moving at the same time. But I'm I'm guessing that if you're moving ahead with this one thing, that you're going to get that on solid ground, get that launched and uh, and and settled, and and then I'm guessing that you're not going to stop there because you know, innovate or die. Yeah. So if you think about, there were about 58 or 60 ideas generated. I think that's Uh, amazing. And we eventually boiled these down to two. Um, We actually boiled them down to 13. And I think we did blueprints on two or three. So we did, to your point, we didn't, we, we did some blueprinting and some scoping on more than just one idea. Absolutely. Um, but we have gone to market with our first new business, um, which is an on, our, our online learning platform. We did not have one before in partnership um, with an outside partner. And we currently offer a certificate program focused on produce safety. So we're, so even though this is one idea, it isn't necessarily just produce safety. We actually, the board has endorsed an online learning platform that will be expanded to other online education offers on this platform. And so um, even though, so one idea, you could say, exactly a platform that will ultimately uh, grow and develop based on what our members need and where we think it could be most impactful to ultimately uh, realize our vision of growing a healthier world. Now, we're also in the initial phase of our second revenue diversification work as well. So even before, even as this new one, first one was going to market, we were already generating on the back end another, the second revenue diversification idea that we have that actually our board voted on last week to move forward as well. Nice. Yeah. Exciting. So um, do you have an articulated innovative uh, innovation process? Or, or this is what you were building as you went through this process of idea generation and then um, eventually getting it down to, to one or two things. Yeah, I'm not sure we had an innovation process at the beginning, but we certainly do now. <laughs> um, and we have it documented. We actually have three phases of, of our innovation uh, process. The first, I would call strategic, um, where we explore ideas, we vet concepts, we model um, the portfolio and the business. Um, so there's a lot that goes into the strategic element of it. So once you have a, a handful of ideas and you're really starting to vet them, you can imagine the exploratory work that takes. Mm-hmm. And then we actually use a financial model um, to understand, you know, what would the investments be? What what's the revenue? We put a five-year NPV against it. Uh, I mean, it is really like looking at launching a new business. The second phase I would call commercialization, where we finalize the details. Um, You know, now that we have the model in place, we are preparing to launch. And then as we have the product and it's out in market, it's iterative. So then we're constantly adjusting and refining what we're doing again in order for us to have the best uh, product forward to put forward and then the last start of the pro uh, um what i would call phase of the process is called operation so once you've set your strategy you're now into commercialization so it's actually going out to to market um which we use a tethered approach so we have uh, resources dedicated to that but are tethered back to the association the third phase is really about operate operate operationalizing um 
the uh, the idea where the innovation project is assigned to long-term management. You're then talking about scaling it and probably expanding um, as the need ultimately requires, both in terms of resources, uh, financial and human capital, but also at that point you're driving revenues to be able to reinvest in the business. So, yeah, go ahead. Um, are you using cross-departmental teams? We are. Okay. Yeah, that's been really critical. Um, we've we. I'm a big fan of um, development in general, and one of the ways in small organizations, uh, where to give people different learning opportunities is we use cross organizational teams for everything. <laughs> um, because one that that gives people an opportunity to grow and learn without necessarily going up a hierarchical ladder. Um, and ultimately, people want to. We, we would love everyone to stay and grow with us, and this gives them an opportunity to learn something new and, quite frankly, put their skills to use to make a big impact. So eventually, as an innovation is operationalized, I'm guessing that it becomes uh, no longer an innovation but part of the business practice, and so then it, it resides with a department or a, a director or a, a vice president. So somebody's got ultimate accountability and authority for it. Is that, is that fair? That's it. That's right. We do try to keep it separate from the get-go okay. uh, because what happens is um, two things can happen. One, as you're building something out, um, it's natural for the mothership to always ha always win, so to speak. I, I don't mean that in a win-lose uh, context, but if you think about preparing for Fresh Summit, where most of our a lot of our revenue comes from, and you're trying to get this innovation going, <laughs> they're going to get what's ever left over in terms of resources, both human capital and financial, that um, because, you know, people's plates can only handle so much. And what we found is by keeping it separate from the get-go and really giving it the best chance for success, then when it moves into operationalizing, the, the, the mothership, so to speak, is ready for it. The opposite could happen too. Everyone gets excited about the shiny new object and everyone wants to work on the new concept and then the core business doesn't isn't tended to. So we have found by keeping it separate and distinct, at least in terms of someone owning it from a leadership perspective, it's it's really critical um, to get to have the time and resources dedicated to make sure that it's that it's happening. And our process is very rigorous um, when it comes to conducting market research. We need to make sure that the board is informed every step of the way in terms of the progress we're making. We we've held you know formal votes at obviously our board meeting to authorize further expenditures on these new projects. Um, it, it's a very much a, a new product development mindset within an association, ultimately answering a need that's unmet in the marketplace. So you mentioned that you are uh, keeping the, the businesses, so to speak, separate. Does that mean you're pulling part of your team off of regular responsibilities and committing them specifically to this new initiative or... They splitting responsibility. How does how does that look? Because you're absolutely right. When everything is important, nothing is important. That's right. Yeah. So our our first entree into this because this is a muscle that we're working to develop. We are great at putting on events. 
I mean, you know, in, in some, we have, we do 17 or 18 events around the world every year. Um, that is definitely in our wheelhouse. We are um, very good. Well, we're very good at a lot of things, um, you know, research and um, connecting people to ideas and insights in each other uh, across the industry and across the globe. But what the exercise, the muscle we're exercising is looking at revenue streams and new business opportunities that are still within produce um, and floral, obviously, because that's our core, our core business and who our members represent. But we didn't have the real muscle of developing, again, new product innovation, I would call it. So the first thing we did was we actually did pull somebody out of their role, and this was their full-time job working with this uh, third-party consultant that I talked about that was that was really an expert in launching new businesses. Um, and, and over time, once we started to get more of a muscle associated with this, we actually have the, the, the item that I talked about earlier around produce safety. Um, the woman that's leading that also leads our research and insights team. Now, we've been doing a lot in terms of development here at PMA, so it's really been nice to watch the people that work for her really blossom and take on some of her responsibilities that has allowed her capacity uh, to lead this next uh, next effort. Um, so it really depends on kind of where we are in our organizational journey. Out of this, though, um, and we have the good fortune to be uh, the size that we are and growing at the rate that we are, we did uh, add a role that is the vice president of strategy and innovation. And now her job is to ensure that one element of her role is to ensure that this process continues um, to uh, live into the future. She works with that consultant I mentioned uh, earlier. And so now it's part of her role because we believe so strongly that we can diversify our revenue and there's so many opportunities out there. We just need to make sure that we're diligent in sticking with the process and commit the resources to it. And our board was very supportive of doing that. So you actually have some, you have somebody accountable now for this function internally, but you didn't when you started the process. So it's not necessarily as, as more diversification comes, it's not necessarily that the same person is necessarily uh, other than the, the vice president of strategy and innovation, that person would be involved, but right. uh, it's, it's not necessarily the person who led the initial charge that would lead successive charges. That's right. I mean, it really depends on what the you know what the what the idea is. In fact, the second idea um, that has uh, again the board just voted on last week will be housed in a different part of the organization because it's really that subject manage, uh, matters experts. It's in their wheelhouse. Um, but again, we're we're moving from strategy. Uh, into commercialization. Um, so this person will, again, identify what resources will be required to bring that to life, and then ultimately it will be brought into the operations of the business. Um, so there really is a process, but the VP of Strategy and Innovation, it will she will maintain the process. Um, she, she presented to the board last week about uh, ideas that we're thinking about for revenue diversification area number three. 
Um, and it's the balance, you know, we also, I also make sure that we're providing the pragmatic reality of how much can we take on in addition to what we already have. Um, but if you think about, again, I hear a lot of associations sitting on very large rev, um, reserves. Oh my gosh. It, yes. <laughs> and what do we do with our reserves? What do we do with our reserves? Well, again, if you're planning for the future, this is a very structured, rigorous way to understand what the white space is, what the market, um, what the size of the market is, and to put some diligence around this and uh, ask for the board's support to ultimately spend uh, some of the reserves in, to position us for the future and mitigate our risk in the long term. Are you, are you making a reserve loan? to these initiatives that is expected to be paid back or is this an investment that the board is making for the overall health of the association in the long run? It's an investment. Um, they have uh, approved in both situations an investment to invest in the future of the, of the association. Uh, but truth be told, we've been able to cover it because of our growth with normal operating revenue uh, income. And that is a beautiful thing to be. Which is a beautiful to. thing, but that, but, but we didn't go into the board saying that. We said this is what it would would take in order for us to pursue this idea or to take this, um, this i this ultimate uh, idea to commercialization. Um, but we have been blessed uh, with the opportunity to just cover it in our normal operating expenses. But the board would have been fine taking it out of reserves as well. Got it. So last question on this, this yeah. topic. Um, what are you finding from a staff standpoint? I mean, I, I heard you mention that uh, you could get to a point where everybody wants to be involved <laughs> in the innovation because it is the bright, shiny new object and it's exciting yeah. and it's not business as usual. But um, what are you finding overall from staff in terms of willingness to engage and maybe even more important comfort with mm -hmm. the new processes or ways of doing business? Yeah, that's a great question, Mary. It's actually been a really fun and inspiring journey uh, to see how staff has responded because we're now stretching ourselves beyond our traditional borders. Now, some people can be incredibly inspired by that. Others can be scared to death <laughs> um, because, again, the change management component of that um, requires different thinking, potentially different behaviors. They see the organization taking risks, leaning into our core value of courage. Um, but an example of that is every other month, or quite frankly, as needed by a particular department, we have an innovation hangout in one of our conference rooms where staff, if they want to participate, can come and offer ideas to challenges that either the organization as the whole is facing or challenge or challenges a particular department is facing. So if a department says, wow, we're just really stuck, we could really use some ideas, they'll shoot a note out to the staff and say, hey, we're going to have an innovation hangout uh, coming up next Thursday. Here's our dilemma. We'd really love people's ideas on how we could potentially solve this dilemma or what we should look at. But for these, there's no wrong ideas, obviously, but it's a great way to build community. It certainly helps with our culture. It allows people to contribute. I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, people want to have a voice and want to feel like they're making a difference. And we're doing it in a fun way that allows staff to see, you know, hey, I, I can impact an area outside of my typical functional area that ultimately can move the association forward. So we, at the beginning, though, we did have a cross-section, um, cross-departmental team come together. We call it um, the Internal Innovation Center. 
And there were five leaders that took this on, that put a structure in place, everything from the hangouts to how do we keep track of all these ideas, these innovations that are coming out to make either the culture better or the business better. And we, um, we actually, believe it or not, have a platform so people can go in and see, are we doing what we said we were going to do or where are we on this particular product um, or project? That's a little different than revenue diversification. But at the end of the day, I believe the associations of the future that are going to win are those that are agile, nimble, and innovative. And it's and going to start with the staff. Yeah, that, that whole innovation piece of it, uh, it, it intrigues me. And there's a couple of things about what, what you said that I, I love. First of all, you've named it. You know, that mm-hmm. you've got an innovation hangout. Yep. So innovation, you're, you're using the word internally. People are hearing it. It becomes an expectation. It becomes a normal um, a part of your business. It sounds like you've created a safe place, which yep. is extremely important. We're, we're just going to hang out and we're just going to talk. And so the, there's not, um, you know, there's not high stakes there. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that, that opportunity for me to participate with an idea here, a comment there, those are really kind of small uh, uh, contributions that I can make, but those small contributions can become big very, very quickly as ideas catch on. So uh, I just, I love what you're doing in terms of how you're normalizing what for some associations is kind of a foreign, uh, not a regular part of business. Yeah, and a, a real tangible example of that is we, um, our membership application online is uh, very onerous. <laughs> um, you have to fill out a lot of fields. It's, um, it's, it's not efficient. Why don't I put it that way? And so we had a couple members on the team that came forward with an idea of how, what if we took this long document, which I know we ultimately need this data at some point, but when people come and they're interested in joining PMA and they come to our website, have them fill out four or five fields only to get them to the point where someone ultimately has a conversation with them and we get them over the line potentially as a member. That one idea generated 50 new members for PMA. Wow. It's that kind of stuff that just really gets me excited. And the beauty is, is a really, really small change can have a huge impact. That's exactly right. And just think about, you know, I mean, it, it, immediately had an impact on both the the top line and the bottom line of this association. So I think oftentimes people may say, oh, that is just like all the fluff. You know, oh, you're going to have, you're going to bring people together and you're going to have popcorn in a room and people are going to come up with ideas or, you know, even investing in culture. Oh, well, why are you doing that? So those are all nice to haves. From my perspective, Mary, these are have to haves in order to change the trajectory, at least of our association, and have us be successful for another 60 years like we have our first 60. And I think that's a great place to wrap up. Kathy, thank you for being here today. My pleasure. It's always, always great to have a conversation with you, Mary. I'm Mary Byers, and this is Successful Associations Today. 